Good morning. American author and theologian Frederick Buckner said it best in the book Wishful Thinking. Of the seven deadly sins, he writes, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontations still to come, to savor to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. In our scripture reading from the book of Jonah, we find Jonah unwittingly participating wholeheartedly in just such a feast. If we back up a bit in that story, we remember the word of God came to Jonah saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach against it, for their wickedness has come up before me, says the Lord. And Jonah responds to God's call by boarding a ship bound for Tarshish instead. Hoping to wake Jonah up, we are told God sent a storm that threatened to sink that ship. The sailors cast lots to discover the one responsible for their misfortune. And the lot fell to Jonah. And so Jonah had to admit to the sailors his fleeing from God and told the sailors to throw him overboard in order to soothe God's wrath. Reluctantly, the sailors did so, and the storm abated. Instead of leaving Jonah to drown, though, God prepared a great fish to swallow him up. And we are told Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. We are told later God spoke to that fish and it vomited Jonah out onto the dry land. Then in chapter 3, God calls Jonah a second time to go to Nineveh and preach to it the message that I give you. Jonah obeys this second call, proclaims the short message that God gives him. The king of Nineveh responds by issuing a royal decree requiring penitence, hoping that if Nineveh repents, God will relent. Our reading this morning picks up at that point. God sees the people of Nineveh turning from their wrongdoing. So God turns from this fierce anger and decides to spare them. We should not be surprised at this outcome. God would not have gone to all that trouble with Jonah to get him to go to Nineveh if God didn't have a strong desire to spare the Ninevites. Truly, if you think about it, this story has been infused with grace.
from the beginning. Jonah's personal story parallels that of the Ninevites. He himself disobeyed God and found himself on the verge of disaster. However, God gave him another chance. When Jonah obeyed God the second time by going to Nineveh and preaching the sermon that God gave him, he not only helped to save their lives, he helped to save his own life. But Jonah isn't insightful enough or humble enough in this moment to compare his own disobedience and salvation to that of the Ninevites. In the next chapter, we find him complaining bitterly. He's actually furious that God has spared them. He had actually been looking forward to witnessing their destruction, assuming their hearts would remain unchanged, regardless of his prophetic words calling for their repentance. We find Jonah is actually disappointed to learn that their hearts have changed. Jonah's heart, on the other hand, has not. Jonah's displeasure will give God the opportunity to teach, will give us the opportunity to be taught a lesson. The lesson is that God's grace is wider than we can imagine, even wider than we might desire. After all, we, we tend to believe that some people deserve to be punished. Some people deserve destruction. The truth is that people subscribe more to the idea than God does that some are just irredeemable. The truth is God holds out hope for those we wrote off long ago as irredeemable. And as we see with Jonah, whether or whether we like it or not, God calls us to proclaim God's desire for repentance and wholeness to everyone and for everyone, whether we like it or not. Jonah's got a lot of this not going on. The scripture says God's grace displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was angry in the face of God's grace offered to the people of Nineveh. He was angry in the face of God's grace. Wait a minute, Jonah. Wasn't it you who expressed great joy in the salvation that you experienced at God's hand after the sailors threw you overboard back there in chapter 2? Jonah, too, had been guilty of disobeying God and was on the verge of paying a high price for his disobedience. But then God sent a great fish to save Jonah from the storm. On that occasion, he was happy to see God's mercy in action. But we're talking about Ninevites now. 
Jonah hated the Ninevites and wanted them destroyed. Jonah was also embarrassed that God used him to deliver the Ninevites from destruction. Jonah only saw the people of Nineveh as evil, and he would have been much more comfortable to have the righteous satisfaction of seeing God punish them. Jonah reminds us here of the elder brother in the parable of the prodigal son. Both are self-righteous, both have a resentful spirit, both become petulant when the father slash God shows mercy to the seemingly undeserving. Both seem quite unaware of their own occasions of disobedience and their and their own personal need for mercy. Neither one experiences any joy at the repentance of the wrongdoer. In fact, they both become bitter and angry in the face of such mercy to the penitent. Yes, God is merciful, and yes, that is easy to see as a good thing when God's mercy is directed is directed toward those in our camp or to us personally. But it is harder to see as a good thing when God directs that mercy toward the other. To show mercy to people like that is perceived as not a sign of strength, but of dangerous weakness. Jonah reveals that he is still the old Jonah from chapter 1, still hopping on another ship and fleeing from God in his mind in an attempt to avoid being caught up in this quest for mercy. When Jonah finally went to Nineveh and proclaimed the message that God gave him, it was only under duress, only to bargain with a God he perceived as ultimately unmerciful. A God who needed to be bargained with. Jonah forgot that he himself had only recently been the recipient of God's mercy. There, but by the grace of God, go I. Jonah seems to have forgotten his own rebellion and his own sin. He forgot that if God were not a God of mercy, he himself would be at the bottom of the sea. As we continue on in the story, we witness that God decides to show Jonah mercy again. And still Jonah chooses to cling more to his self-righteous anger than to his gracious God. Jonah sets up a makeshift booth far enough away from the city to be safe from the destruction he still hopes God will wreak on Nineveh, and yet still close enough to watch. He is not at all repentant, even as God continues to show him mercy. And yet, instead of punishing Jonah for his deplorable behavior under his booth outside the city, God simply asks him if it is right for him to be 
angry in this moment? And then what? God is so much more patient than I am. God prepared a vine and made it to come up over Jonah so that it might be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort in the sun. Just as God earlier provided a great fish to save Jonah, God now provides a bush to shield him from the sun. We are told, thus Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the vine. This is only the second time that we have seen Jonah happy in this story. The first time was when God provided the great fish to save his life. Now he is again happy that God has provided a plant to shade him from the sun. Then at dawn, God grows weary of Jonah's camping out, angrily waiting for the destruction of others. So we are told that God prepared a worm and it chewed on that vine so that it withered. Jonah wanted God to destroy Nineveh, wanted God to destroy Nineveh, but God instead destroys the plant that God had previously provided to give Jonah a comfortable place to work through his anger. In fact, that plant is the only thing that actually gets destroyed in this story. And the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he fainted and requested for himself that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Oh, please, Jonah. This reminds me of some of the comically dramatic tests of will we have had with our kids when they were very young. God tries to reason with Jonah in this moment. Is it right for you to be angry about the vine? Jonah replies, I am right to be angry even to death. God's response, you have been concerned for the vine for which you have not labored, neither made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Shouldn't I be concerned for Nineveh, that great city in which one more, in, in which excuse me, are more than 120,000 persons who can't discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much livestock? As God asked Jonah why he was angry, what could he possibly respond to justify his anger? Jonah might try to say that God had violated the sacred covenant that God had established with the Jewish people by showing mercy to the Ninevites. But nothing in that covenant tied God's hands so that God could not show mercy to people outside that covenant. Or Jonah might have responded by reminding God that God had taken away Jonah's shade. But that would surely sound petty even to Jonah. It's helpful to remember we have a great deal more control over our feelings than we might be willing at times to admit. Jonah illustrates this in stark detail. He could have been glad to see God spare the Ninevites and to have been able to be a participant in that grace. 
but he chose to be angry instead. He could have made a, he could have made a decision to be happy. It was his choice, his decision that put him at odds with God. Jonah's bad choice was responsible for the misery he was feeling in this moment. Jonah had done, had done nothing to earn the saving and comforting graces that he had received from God. Those graces were God-given, evidence of God's mercy toward a very bitter self-serving Jonah in this moment. Throughout this story, Jonah has given no evidence that he cares about anything except himself. For example, he didn't even care one iota about that plant. He cared only for the shade that it provided him, for the comfort he derived from its presence. God says Nineveh is a great city with more than 120,000 inhabitants. Those inhabitants do not know their right hand from their left. In other words, they have acted badly in part because they didn't have the knowledge to choose better. God's purpose in sending Jonah was to save them from their lack of knowledge. The Ninevites responded favorably to Jonah's God-given message and God spared them. What about Jonah? The book of Jonah ends without us knowing what happens to him. Is his heart so hard that he would rather choose to die in the hot sun, waiting for the destruction of those he perceives as enemy? Or did Jonah wake up to God's desire for grace. Of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most dangerous. What you are wolfing down at this sort of feast of anger is yourself. The skeleton at such a feast is you. Will you pray with me? Oh God, deliver us from choosing a self-righteousness that leaves us with hardened, angry hearts and makes us unable to share together in the wideness of your mercy. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.